Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I am Ellie Herringshaw, and I am back with my father. Mark Herringshaw, honored to be here. I'm so excited. My daughter, Elizabeth. Hello. <laughs> it's been a while. It has. You were in um, You were in the background of um, the the episode that we did with Matt and Alexa. And um, and I was interviewing them, but you were you were listening on in that. Yeah, in- we were all eating popcorn and listening to that interesting yeah. conversation. <laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> so we're back in your office with your giant whiteboard surrounded by all these theological books. And, um, you know, we've got our Bibles open and we're ready to talk about some theology. Yeah, we're going to <laughs> we're going to dive into a, um, a really important very complex challenge uh, that's laid out in our lives and in our culture. And in a way that it's probably affected, the topic we're going to talk about has probably affected everybody listening in some form or another. And, you know, we're going to go after it because God isn't afraid of these kinds of conversations. Absolutely. I totally agree. So we're going to be talking about divorce and remarriage today. Yep we're, we're just, we're just like, this is the tip of the iceberg with this, yep. with this topic. Like, like you had, you, you mentioned before we um, started recording, like churches split over this stuff. There's, right. there's, um, there's so much here. And, and so we want to, we want to obviously just lay out the disclaimer that we don't. Well, and I, and I think it's out. important <laughs> to say uh, up front that we recognize there are a lot of different ways to interpret the scripture about totally. this topic. Yeah. And and people can love Jesus. They can be biblically true and honor the precedent of scripture and come out on different sides of how this is interpreted. Yeah. Absolutely. It's an important matter and it, and it it's important that we probe it biblically and probe it with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but also know that even people listening to us are not going to necessarily come out at the conclusion point that we arrive at. Today. Right. Yeah. And we know that. And and so if if you're if you're coming if you're going to come out at the end of listening to this going, ah, they were they were full of it and they missed this and that, we would probably say, you know, we understand your your place in that mm-hmm. and where you've arrived at at your conclusion. We honor that. But you also I I just want to say too, like for, for people that haven't listened before you have, I mean, you have, you have authority to talk about this. I mean, we all have authority to read the Bible and interpret it for ourselves, but, um, but you have, but you have training in this. Can you talk a little bit about just, just super briefly? Yeah, I've, uh, I mean, I've, I've been a pastor, was a pastor for 25 years and had to, you know, come to my own biblical understanding about this from a pastoral theological mm-hmm. perspective. So there's a, there's, uh, sort of historical theology that you can study, like what have people believed down through the ages? There's a biblical theology. What does the Bible actually teach yeah. in its own context? Uh, what's a systematic theology, which is coming from a sort of philosophical base? What system am I applying to? And then there's pastoral theology, which is how do you take all that and make it work in people's lives on Tuesday? Yeah. And what <laughs> pastors have to do is actually that latter theology, mm-hmm. which is to be honoring of of the history honoring of the the theological congruity and systems and honoring of the text itself. What what did the writers of the Bible actually say? Pull all that together and then apply it to the often 
um, really complex issues in actual people's lives. Yeah. And so sitting in the office, in the pastoral counseling office, talking to, you know, I don't even know how many couples, lots and lots of mm-hmm. people that have worked through this question. Yeah. What does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage and how do we make that universal truth of God apply in our life in this particular context. And and I have a minor in biblical studies, and um, yeah, so that's Thumbs my up. that's that's my uh, <laughs> two cents to this. <laughs> so um, so what what I what I can do is, and I mean, kind of setting this up, I, I it's probably good to tell everybody my my basic position and how yeah. I interpret the Bible. Yeah. I believe that the Bible is God's word of word to us. It's precedent for our lives. So what God laid out in scripture is the way he speaks to us about how life should work, mm-hmm. who he is and how he wants us to engage with him and his plan for us. And the Bible is our absolute precedent for that. So a precedent is it's laid down first and everything that follows has to be measured to that. So I actually believe God still speaks to us today, yeah. but he's not going to speak in a way that is other than or adding to the precedent that he's already laid down. He's not going to be contrary to what he said. Totally. So he still can speak to us about, you know, very pertinent and relevant things in our lives, but it'll, it'll echo back to the precedent he's already set. So we have to understand that precedent very much the way, um, like if a judge is hearing a case, they want to build their judgment on that based on the precedent that's gone before. We need to do that with the scriptures. I love it. Right. And then we have to understand how we're going, like the rules we're going to use for reading and interpreting mm-hmm. the Bible. And it's it, the fancy word for that is a hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. It, it means like, what is my approach to what I believe I'm holding in my hand when I hold the words of scripture. And my particular approach to that is that I believe there's there's kind of a, a and the early reformers, uh, Calvin and Luther, had two different positions on this. So John Calvin said, in essence, and, and for the Calvin theologians out there, you'll, you'll probably um, you know want, want more explanation here, but what Calvin, in essence, said is that if it's not in the Bible, then it's not allowed. So the extension of that became a, a more defined definition of the Bible. And some mm-hmm. uh, from that tradition would go so far as to say, well, the New Testament doesn't have um, music. Music. It doesn't have <laughs> instruments in, in worship, yeah, right? Right. So psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It doesn't say organs. It doesn't say... And Drums. So, and, yeah, and so some <laughs> of those churches, from their hermeneutic because they say we're biblical would say, well, it only says Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Therefore that's what we will have. That's an extreme version of that. But that hermeneutic takes a more narrow definition. If it's not in the Bible, it's not permitted. Yeah. The um, other side of that, which would, would say we're also seeing the Bible as God's unerring word and precedent for our lives would say, on the reverse, if it's not categorically forbidden in scripture, then we're given freedom totally, to develop it from there. So the, uh, the worship would be an example. Uh, drums and guitars aren't forbidden in the New Testament. <laughs> so therefore, we're flexible and free to, yeah. to, to culturally 
interpret that. Totally. And uh, the church handled those kind of questions, I think, in that latter way, in the way they, they tackled the big questions that were you know, weighing them down in the first century. Yeah. So like Acts 15 and the church is saying, yeah. what is and isn't okay for the new believers coming in from the Gentile world? And they, they took a, a more open cultural view, mm. except for three things they prohibited. Don't, don't worship idols. Yep. Don't drink blood, which would have been a compromise of the understanding of the atonement and uh, sexual purity. So those three things are universally culturally trans. Trans, um, applicable everywhere, right? Yeah. But everything else was everything be else flexible. Was like we can be flexible with right. This. So yeah. it's it's that biblical position would say if it's not categorically forbidden, forbidden, then we with the Holy Spirit and Scripture are guided right. to apply that situation. Yeah. Uh, whereas the other side, I take the latter approach. Like my approach to the Bible is that with the Holy Spirit, I take the Scriptures with the Holy Spirit and the context. And say, if it's not categorically forbidden, then I'm going to find a way through with the Holy Spirit to apply that. I yeah. approach the question of divorce and remarriage from that latter perspective. That's good. That's really good. Right. So I believe I am thoroughly biblical. I believe the Bible is the word of God. Mm-hmm. I believe universally that the Bible is the final arbiter of all questions. Yeah. Uh, but on the question of marriage and divorce, there are nuances within the scriptures that lead us to say, you know, if it's not categorically forbidden in every context, then what are the conditions? And then we, with the Holy Spirit, make decisions from there. And uh, the question of divorce and remarriage really falls into that. The general principle, I think, that we can say is God hates divorce. I mean, you've got some scriptures, I think, mm-hmm. that we want to look at. God hates divorce because it's rooted in covenant. Yeah. And all of the scripture, beginning pages of the Bible, all the way to the end, yeah. are covenant. God has chosen to define his relationship to us in covenant. This is what I commit to you, and this is the commitment I ask in return. And he uses kind of multiple images of covenant to describe that. It's a king who covenants to his people and yep. the people receive that back. It's a father who covenants with his children in adoption. That's yeah. one of the covenants that still exists for us today yeah, is adoption. Absolutely. And marriage, that's a theme woven all the way through that God as the bridegroom covenants with his bride. Yeah. And that covenant says everything I am and have is yours, and I receive from you everything you have and are yep. as mine. And we become one. So the two separate things, in this case, God and his people, come together in one at the joining point of the covenant. And right. it, and marriage is the picture of that, right? Yep. That's why God um, is so adamant all the way, first pages of Genesis to the last page of Revelation, using marriage we've talked about this in yeah the past, right? yeah marriage and we have, we is have, that picture we, we have a we have a great conversation about that um from a couple a couple of weeks ago of that that just goes down to why is marriage important and why are we celebrating it and yep yeah, and why and it touches us so deeply it's yeah. a very it, it's something it's very eternal like that yep. and so and so when it is broken and it's severed it's dissolved what, what the words that you use there there is a a deep shattering of something Mm -hmm. and and god's very clear about that 
all the way through the scriptures. Yeah, it's yeah. not to be taken lightly. It's not just something that you can <clears throat> um, make casual. And that's actually when you, when you get into the words that Jesus says about divorce, that's the context. Right. So he, he, t- he talks about it in, um, in the, on the Sermon on the Mount. I just need to say, first of all, I'm not at all an advocate for divorce. I don't think that it is ever something that is God's first plan for us. Right. Um, but that's also coming from someone who is divorced. I am, I am divorced. Yep. If you are listening to this and you are in a really challenging marriage, um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just tell you that the easy answer is divorce because that's not an easy answer. It's never, it's never the easy answer. Um, and it's never God's, it's never God's first intent. No, it's not. It isn't. I mean, that's that's the probably the first principle to say clearly that God is a God of redemption and his first and foremost desire is to redeem everything that's broken. Yep. And fix the things that are broken. And 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 he can fix yeah. any marriage. Absolutely. No question. However, it takes two willing people yep. to invite that the image in Revelation, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Yeah. He's talking there about actually believers. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. It's not just, it's not just unbelievers and people. <laughs> so that he are, doesn't, yeah, yeah, he doesn't charge into our house and fix it. Right. He knocks and says, can I come in and fix your marriage? Will you, will you let me come in and take over your household? Well, God is not going to, he's not going to break our will. No, that's he's the not, point. Yeah. He's not going to come in and he's going to, he's not going to say, I, you know, you, you have to do this and I'm going to change right. your desire to be married or not. And in the case of marriage, it actually takes two willing parties yep. willing to say to Jesus, we open the door of our personal lives and of our marriage and you come in and take over. Yeah. And when that is the case, I, I never saw a situation as bad as things can get in a marriage, uh, whether it's abuse or infidelity or uh, the uncovering of some, you know, really dark thing in someone's history or mental illness or anything of that sort that could and often does sever marriages. Um, But what then are the conditions Mm -hmm. when there isn't that willingness on both sides? And Jesus is really clear that there are conditions. Yeah. Or if somebody is, you know, they've been divorced for like a long time and um, and that, you know, that, that chapter is kind of over in their life and there's, right. and maybe still living under the shadow of shame. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, in the scripture you brought up in Matthew and there, there's a lot we could, you know, whole books have been written on this, right? We could, we could delve deeply, but we won't, <laughs> but the succinct thing is that there are conditions in which God says it may not be my first best. Yeah. It may not be my first plan A, but there are conditions in which I I will bless and redeem the situation if divorce becomes the outcome. Yeah. And it is it's the it's kind of a product of a broken world. The great news is that God doesn't know plan B. And when we're willing, he just creates another plan A. And that condition is really clear. And you 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 said this, Jesus in Matthew 5 is giving all these contrasts Mm -hmm. to the literal law and then his 
higher law, like his. Yeah, yeah. He, that, he's that's, putting. He, he's elevating and putting the law on the inside of us. Yeah. And and this becomes one of them. You've heard it was said. You know, if you want a divorce, just issue your certificate of divorce. And that actually was one school of thought at in the time that Jesus was living, of the Jewish um, Jewish rabbis would say, and they were they were a male dominated society still at that point. The New Testament church, the the church that follows after Jesus, and we see in the Book of Acts and in Paul's writings, is significantly not as male-dominated. There still are echoes of it, but the elevation of women is actually a huge theme Mm -hmm. throughout even the Old Testament because the pagan and Greco-Roman cultures around them, women were property. And they had no legal protection. Right. And there's so, there's so many examples of Jesus just going out of his way oh, absolutely. To, to minister to women to, um, I mean, a wonderful example of this is the woman at the well. And, um, and I, I love there, Chris Valentin has a, from, from Bethel church, he has an awesome sermon about this, um, about remarriage and divorce. Um, and he, and his theory with that, with, um, with that story in particular is that the woman at the well actually didn't, um, um, it says, you know, Jesus, Jesus is confronting her and he says basically like, Hey, you, you know, you've had, you've had several husbands and even the guy that you're living with now isn't your husband. And, um, and a lot of people think of that as like, Oh, she had, she's like committed adultery. Basically Chris Valentin's, um, argument is that, is that the woman at the well actually like that she has been divorced so many times and like no one is happy with her. No one loves her. And, um, and a lot of people don't, don't think of it that way. They think that she is like just a sinful person. Um, but, but I, I, I like that. Well, yeah, I like that version of it. In that, or that context, idea. in the, in the Jewish context, the first century, it was very easy for men to divorce their wives. Yeah. And, and the wives were, were subject to that and often victims of it. Right. So there was one school of thought. One of the, the Jewish rabbinic schools said simply, well, that, you know, this, this, quote out of the Old Testament, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. They could just stick their head out the door and say, she burnt the toast this morning, I divorce you. Yeah. Um, others took a stronger, uh, more restrictive stance. Jesus in this is taking that restrictive stance in saying, except for unchastity, yeah. divorce is not permitted unless the wife has been unfaithful and that unfaithfulness is then it's the it's the one way by which the covenant can be broken and legally there is in essence permission from God for that divorce to be we, we would sort of say justified yeah. in that sense yeah. um, but it's really interesting though this is in the context of Jesus upgrading the understanding of what unchastity is Unchastity oh, yeah, is totally. actually is actually the willful intent of lust in the heart. Yeah, everyone should read the Sermon <clears throat> yes. on the Mount because it is like the it's the most amazing oh, it, sermon. That that is equal to unfaithfulness, and therefore, in that sense, the woman has a legal right to end the marriage if there is even that level of unfaithfulness. Right. Now that doesn't mean that that has to happen 
it means that there right. is a legal yeah. justification for it. And 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 this can go all the way into um, uh, verbal and physical and emotional abuse because that's breaking the covenant. It is in a sense as well. Breaking the covenant. And so, yep. in that standpoint, there's 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 um, allowance for the living out of the breaking of the covenant. Yep. Legally. Mm-hmm. But God's first best is if you allow me to step in here, I can fix this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so He can fix any any severance of even even that which which destroys trust. But both have to be willing for that and to step back into. Okay, it. so let's say let's say um, there's a there's a woman who's in a situation. Um, I was talking to one this week that that's in this situation that she's trying to decide whether to go through with the divorce or not. Um, the, the, the husband's, he's kind of living, he's, he's unsure. And she is too, you know, she's, she's maybe considering this, considering going through with the divorce. What's the, what's the protocol? Well, (laughs) there's not really a protocol, but well, well, there are principles, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's the guidance of the Holy spirit. And the, the first is that there are permitted conditions upon which one can make kind of a legal appeal before God and say, this, the covenant hasn't been kept. God actually divorced Israel. There were points that didn't end his relationship with them. Yeah. It changed his relationship with Israel. Yeah. And, and um, so that would be the first, the, you know, the first you know, question here is what level of, of hunger and willingness to see God's redemption is there in both people? Hmm. What conditions are there that have caused that to be severed? Is there a desire on both people's part to let God heal that? Hmm. Yeah. And make something new. Um, lots of beautiful be. examples of God doing you know, beauty from ashes, right? Yeah. Uh, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem after they were torn down. That, that was the result of God's divorce. Then God rebuilt it. People have gotten remarried after divorce, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. But there has to be a willingness and a humility and a brokenness on both people's part yeah. to seek God for that. Mm-hmm. So the, fir- the first question is, you know, it's kind of like, and God will often ask us, what do you want me to do for you? Right. Yeah. What do you want? So to this couple, the first question is, what do you want? So we have, so we have to talk about remarriage. Yes, because this is because this is pretty. That's again, the crux, right? Again, it yeah, is. it is. Yeah, because it says you know, okay, so maybe there are conditions for for getting divorced. Maybe there's, um, you know, if there isn't two willing parties. So, in in that case, once you are divorced, all right, you're just you're you're called to singleness now. You're called to being divorced, well, and, and, right? And and it says here, whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. But the condition <laughs> is except for the cause of unchastity. Let's say that there wasn't um, physical unchastity. Physical unchastity or even or <coughs> even like they they have a terrible marriage. There's there's fighting, there's there's like I mean just a terrible awful marriage and not willingness to to have healing. There's unfaithfulness if there's no willingness to work on the marriage all out. Okay. There's no humility. There's if there's abuse <laughs> in that case. So the the, uh, the I, I'm I'm expanding. That, that, I just needed to, yeah, I needed no. that to be really clear. Right. I, I am expanding the definition of unchastity actually to the level that Jesus does. It, it's like it, it isn't a matter of just murdering someone. It's like 
don't be angry with them in your heart. If you look at the context of what Jesus yeah. does to the law, he elevates the law to the level of intention. So, right. So you're saying you're saying that if there's if there's a marriage in which it's it's a terrible marriage and they've been fighting or whatever and they're not willing to work, that is unfaithfulness. Yes. I think it that's unfaithfulness yeah. to the covenant. Yes. Right. It's saying we're locking Jesus out of this. Mm-hmm. We're not letting because if he comes in, we're not let we're not allowing for healing. Right. And and we're not recognizing the the awesome responsibility we have having made a covenant. Right. They're treating it like a contract. And therefore, one person has the prerogative to to step out of that binding covenant. But when both don't want to work it out? If both don't want to work it out, then both of them are in essence hardening their heart to God's intent. Okay, so let's let's say there's a um there's a case of um a, a man and woman and the man is abusive and he's and he's um and the woman has maybe hardening her heart because she's afraid of continuing to, an abuse but the husband's like, "Oh, I'll change. I'll get sober. I'll do the things. I'll I'll jump through the hoops and get the help and and all this stuff." Um there there's there's safety concerns with that yep. there's future concerns yep. there's there's um is there actual true repentance maybe they've gone through this before maybe they've they've tried to get the help and and nothing's yes, and really I think worked at that you know? point at that point if there is a pattern there's this cycle of okay he's been sorry he starts to go get help it gets better for a while and the pressures build and the same things happen again yeah at at a certain point she has a biblical freedom to say enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that and and where that line is drawn is, is I mean, she's going to have to know heart. in her absolutely. own heart. Absolutely, yeah. But God's desire is that if there is a true turning on His part, we're using the man because it's ninety percent of the yeah. time <laughs> it is that issue. No, on the abuse side, yeah, ninety percent of the time. Well, it and is. also and also I'm with, with my reclaimed community. I've um, I've, I'm g- walking with some of these women who are right. who are going through this right now, right. whether it's abuse or just or emotional neglect. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of these people that I'm I'm in doing life with right now yep. that are facing these questions. That's um, there is not an easy answer, and I cannot be the one to say, no. "Yeah, you got to get out," or "You it's time no. to get a divorce," or "You haven't worked hard enough." The 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 the, the important thing to hear is that. The condition for, in essence, God giving a permission, I'm looking for a better word, for divorce is unchastity, unfaithfulness. Mm -hmm. Unfaithfulness to that covenant, according to what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, is elevated beyond just some meticulous legal definition of that. If the man's heart is unfaithful to the covenant, to his wife, there is that condition. Likewise, the other way around. If she is unfaithful um, on the various levels of of the definition of unfaithfulness, then the man has, in essence, a biblical precedent for divorce. Well, and this is why we need to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit. We need to have an identity of in in Jesus. Um, We need to be we need to be in communion with him so that we can we can ask these questions and and wrestle with these things, hearing the voice of God in it because um, and in community ne- and in community. Oh my God! Because because then we can say, okay, test my heart here exactly to you know other brothers and sisters exactly. to say, am I just wanting an easy out here? 
and not just people that are saying, you know, giving you the the easy answer either, right. but um, but people that will challenge you in it. Like like you had mentioned before, we have to look at we have to look the whole narrative of of how Jesus and how how he's constantly bringing us to himself yep. in the Old Testament, over and over and over again. God is calling Israel. He's calling his people and they come to him and then they are unfaithful. There's a, there's a, there's a, this moment of, you know, them prostituting themselves to other gods and, and selling themselves. And and that's, and that's what's so beautiful about the story of Hosea that we look at this beautiful, um, this beautiful parallel to, um, to Hosea marrying Gomer and Gomer is unfaithful to him and, and over and over and over again. And, and God is saying there, he's saying to Hosea, I know what this is like, you know, my heart, you know, how I've been, how I've been hurt, how I've been unfaithful, how I've, I've been betrayed. And then, and, and so then even like I'd mentioned in the, um, in that scripture in Jeremiah, God says, I, I have to divorce Israel because she's not being yeah. faithful to the covenant. And I, and, and God holds this covenant as such, um, such a beautiful thing. Like yep. he has such a high standard for that. Yes. And that's good. That's so important. The covenant shifted at that point, the definition of it or the yep. living it. God's love for Israel never stopped. Never. Right? Yeah. And I think it's, if you look at Matthew 18, and Jesus' description of how we resolve conflicts. So it, mm-hmm. marriage is not mentioned explicitly in that. It's talking about other kinds of like tension and conflict that people have. And he, there's a sequence Jesus lays out, and, he, and it involves community, it involves the church, it involves... Like, so if somebody... Well, he does t- talk about marriage in, in 19. Yes. It, so it's like it's right, right after 18. And he, what, yeah. what, what he says, though, is that if... If somebody's got an issue with somebody and there's an offense, go to that person yeah. and try to resolve it. So in marriage, if there's an offense in the couple's relationship, one person goes to the other and attempts to resolve it. How that other responds to that makes the difference in what goes that happens mm-hmm. next. If they, in essence, repent and are willing to make changes, then good things can go forward. Yep. The marriage can be resolved. Uh, by the way, what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm applying to marriage Jesus' general principle of conflict resolution. Yeah, right? so yeah. The good. second is if that person's not responsive, the, the second party, mm-hmm. then the first party brings a friend or a trusted Christian brother or sister and has, in that case, you could look at like a mediator or a counselor. Yeah could fit in that role. Somebody to go with them, help them speak on their behalf and be a witness as to their response. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, then you bring it to if that if it does work then great, you've restored. If it doesn't work, then you bring it to the wider community. Yeah. And in this case you could even say the legal community. But yeah. this is talking about the church itself, so the covenant aspect of marriage and let there be a in essence, a resolution or judgment there. So it's, it's bringing other people into the decision. So this is as you're just supposed to bring people s- into your marriage. Like we we've talked about this absolutely. All the, so yeah. the the decision isn't entirely a subjective one personally as to whether you do or don't end your marriage. Wow. Go through a sequence, and and with people you trust and love. At a certain point, the final solution to that in Jesus uh, Matthew 18 description yeah. is if that person is still not willing to change, 
they're not willing to move forward. Then the church makes the decision. We now treat this person like a tax collector and sinner, Jesus says. Mm-hmm. That is, we remove them from the covenant of this community. Yeah. But here's the deal. How does Jesus say we're supposed to treat tax collectors and sinners? Well, he got together with, with them and love. hung out with them. <laughs> so so that is that that um, ostracization of the of the is not well it's it's not ostracizing that individual. Mm-hmm. It's changing the nature of the relationship. Yep. So we love someone in the community differently than we'd love somebody outside the community. But love is still we treat them like a tax collector and sinner. That is, we treat them with mercy, not in the covenant, right. which is what God did once he issued that statement of divorce to Israel. He still loved Israel. He still loved he them. He still Absolutely. fought and reframed another avenue of salvation for Israel, namely the coming of Jesus. And then in that, he brought restoration right. and this way of of then coming back into the coming yes. back into the covenant but but what he was saying there in the old testament was i hold a very very high standard yes. to this and you have gone back to to yep. these other gods and then said and then repented and and there's been this that back and forth which people see so often in yep. their actual marriages yep. they see oh i'm sorry i'll change i'll do better i'll i repent i'll go through all the steps Yep. And then there's a falling away again. Yep. And that and there comes a point where you have to I I really I, I I really do believe this. Like you have to hold your marriage as something that's very, very sacred and very yep. important. I, I mean I, I can't tell people what to do and I don't want to tell people how to how to do their marriage, but but we can't um we can't hold marriage as something that's not holy and sacred. Yes, and then at and 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 not only is it holy and sacred, but it's redeemable. And there is no situation that anybody could face that God couldn't fix and redeem and make whole again. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of situations, a whole lot less than that, mm-hmm. that you know, many, many hundreds, thousands of people are wrestling with every day, and marriages end over them. And and uh, it's it really is a matter of of ha- having to discern in your own heart, is the person that I'm covenanted with ready to ready to let God transform them? And I just like, I just really feel the, the there, there's, there's people often, I've, I've felt this so many times and I've talked about it on the podcast, just this idea of fighting shame where, um, where I've I've felt so much shame around the word divorce. Yep. I I personally for while I even even when I had hired my attorney, I could not say the word divorce. I said the D word. I couldn't even get myself yeah. to say that word yep. because it was so well, and, shameful and, and for and me. And I actually think um you know and and for those of you that have already on the other side of this question Divorce has already happened. Um, the Christian community has has attached shame to that because so I think of a misunderstanding of the standards that the Bible lays out. Well, and I want to, I mean, people could be listening to this and thinking, I didn't try hard enough. And that is such a hard place to be in. And you could be sitting on this end of it and and feeling that. God, God just, he, he wants wholeness for us. Yep. All the time. Yep. Every situation yes. is different. Yes. And and fortunately 
the beautiful love of God is personalized too. Amen. And everything is redemptive. And, and while his grace, which covers everything, is not an excuse to do something in a compromised way or to make mistakes knowing, oh, well, God will just forgive that later. If you're on the other side of the decision and you can look back and say, well, I might have done this or I could have done this. You know what? The good news is God has washed the past as the past yep. under his blood. Amen. And we are today totally new with a totally new blank slate of open possibilities before God. So you can hear that today and know that even if you can indict yourself and say, um, I could have done this or I could have done that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. So, you know, I think ultimately the answer to this is not hearing people like us talk, but wading into this with Mm -hmm. people that you love and who love Jesus and who open up the scriptures. So get into a good faith community that is open to people talking about this stuff yeah, and praying it through and studying it through. Yeah. There's grace and mercy at every step of the way, every step of the way. And no marriage is the same from, from another one. No, no marital issue is, is parallel to someone else's experience. Like everyone is going through their own story, their own, their own stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, making, digging into it yourself, learning to hear the voice of God because he speaks like God is able to speak to us about our experiences personally. I absolutely believe that happens. And with, with something like, I mean, this is a huge thing. Divorce is huge. Like marriage is huge. Whatever that decision is, God can bring restoration and healing to our hearts. We're not to live out of principle. We're to live out of relationship. Yeah. And so we have this drive and this desire of just give me the right answer. I want to live (laughs) out of relation, out of, out of a set of principles. Which was sort of the start of this podcast. We were like, let's talk. What's the right answer with (laughs) divorce and and remarriage? And and it's important to get the precedent of the Bible, right? But that's coming out of the relationship with the God of the Bible. Yes. He is living and alive. The Bible is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a live thing. It's God's word, and he's a person. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why working out this question in our relationship with Jesus personally and yep. our relationship with Jesus through people who we trust, who also love Jesus, who will give us perspectives and answers from you know their vantage point will help us come to um, what God's will is for us. The point is, if we want to know God's will, this is the promise Jesus makes. If we want to know God's will for our life, including for your marriage, you will. Yeah. The promise is if you want to know my will, you will. You can. You shall. Yeah. And um, that's the really comforting thing in all this is you can be certain and at peace with whatever resolution in your marriage God has for you. And that is really the key. God wants to resolve and hmm. The, the tension or the conflict, like a, the way a music score ends with a resolution chord. It's like, it's satisfied. Yeah. And God wants to resolve this in your life. He always is into resolution. Yep. Constantly. And yep. he will do that in one way or the other. 
and you can be at peace with God in that. Now, what that actually is, is going to be a journey of sometimes great deal of pain and, yeah. and, and uncertainty along the way. His promise is you will come through to peace in this. Totally. And, and very often he just retells the story, right? Again, another covenant, another relationship, and yeah. he can do that. And often, often expresses himself that way. I think that's, that's part of what's happening in the story of the covenant of God with Israel is it's reframed now in what Jesus extends to the whole world, yeah, not absolutely. just the Jewish people. We're brought now into this, this new framing of that old covenant. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been, um, this has been really good. Yeah. This has been very, very good and, uh, and really rich. And I, I, I suspect it's been really pertinent. Yeah. Basically, I mean, just to summarize, we don't have all the answers. These, these questions are personalized to our own experiences, but the narrative of the gospel and of, of the word of God is redemption and hope and healing. And he can do that to your marriage or he can do it to you, to you just as an individual. Yes. Um, yes. And whatever that is, he will always bring restoration. That's, that is his will. And, and, and I think that probably is where we're almost where we have to land. This is to say, you know, we don't have all the answers for all situations sitting here. No. What we have is the certainty that Jesus has every answer for every situation. Amen specific and there's peace in every situation yeah. from him. There is. And mm-hmm. we, we find out by digging into the scriptures, digging into our relationship with him personally and submitting that to relationships in his community of people that's, who love him. That's so good. That's and, so good. And submitting to that wisdom and counsel that others will bring into our lives, often in the form of challenge. Mm-hmm. It's support and challenge together that we get from people who really love us. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Reclaimed Podcast. Um, We're so happy that that this concept is resonating with you. Please um, like like it on Facebook. Share it with a friend that that maybe is going through something hard. Um, And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Reclaimed podcast. For more information about reclaiming, visit reclaimed.com. That's R-C-L-A-I-M-E-D.com.